This is your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 129, with guest Amy Smith. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no-BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey, Ass Kickers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. As always, I am so glad and grateful that you're here. Thank you for tuning in every week, as most of you are so loyal to the podcast, and I just cannot thank you enough. And this week is an archived post that is one of my favorites because it's one of my favorite guests. It's many of you know her already. It's my best friend and colleague, Amy Smith, from over at The Joy Junkie. I'll get into that in just a minute, but I have one announcement and one book recommendation because it's been a while since I recommended a book to y'all, and I was looking at my bookshelf, and I grabbed Finding Your Own North Star by Martha Beck, and I know a lot of you listening probably have already read it, and if you haven't, you've probably heard of Martha Beck. She's written a column for Oprah for a long time, and she's just really an amazing human being and such a fantastic writer to boot. So this book, I mean, like, how do I describe it? It's really just an all-around bomb-ass self-help book. Like, I don't know. <laughs> just kind of shooting from the hip here. But it's just, you know, I was flipping through it, and I really do want to read it again because it's been several years since I've read it. But she, I mean, the subtitle is Claiming the Life You Were Meant to Live, and it really is that. It, she just puts it into such really easy, digestible terms, self-help in general, and she really covers the gamut. She really does cover the gamut. I credited her in my first book for a tool you might remember it from 52 Ways to Live a Kick-Ass Life, where I talk about she has this really cool exercise where you discover, like, who is your everybody? Because, you know, we think things like, everyone's going to think I'm stupid. Everybody, you know, this, that, and the other. We make up these stories about everybody, right? And, okay, well, it's really not everybody. It's not, like, the guy down the street at the bodega. It's not you know, the person you just drove by. So who's your everybody? So it's just really simple tools that she uses. There's a link to it in the show notes, finding your own North Star. So that's our book recommendation for the week. So without further ado, here is your episode all about self-love. Hey there, ass kickers. Welcome to another episode of the Kick-Ass Life podcast. I almost forgot for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, <laughs> where am I? What year is it? <laughs> oh my gosh. Help me. Somebody help me. The struggle is real. Hey, everybody. I'm joined here. You already know because I already read it to you and I'm joined here by my very best friend in the whole wide world, Amy Smith. And I think that this is your third guest appearance here on the Your Kick-Ass Life podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Editor's note. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I think so. I think so. Well, so you're winning because I've had people on twice, but I've never had anyone three times. And I would have you on every time. We've talked for years about having our own show. Yes. Our own comedy yeah. show. Really nothing to do with personal development. We just <laughs> want to be ridiculous together. We want to take it on the road. Mr. Smith always says, you guys are the only people who think you're funny. <laughs> And that's okay. <laughs> I love it. It's like, like two just, people. <laughs> don't get too 
and confident. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. We are here today to talk to you all about self-love and... We were talking about, okay, what are we going to talk about? Because we could talk all day long about self-love and really what it comes down to. If we were going to back way up, back, back, back it up, back that thing up, <laughs> that I think there's a lot of myths and sort of pitfalls and yeah. people just, I think, are, might be embarrassed to admit that they don't know what the hell self-love is at all. Right? Right, right. Right. Okay. So we decided we were going to get together and this is kind of a two-part Podcast, not two parts on mine, but if you go to, and if you're not listening to the Joy Junkie show, you have to go run out and do that right now and listen to every episode there ever was to be made. And we recently did one on self love over on Amy's podcast as well. So yeah. you don't have to listen to that one to understand what's going on here. We're going to talk about different things than we talked about over there. So I'm going to go ahead and jump in, and Amy and I are going to kind of co host. It's kind of less interview, more co hosting. Yep. So the first self love myth and pitfall that we're going to discuss is having no clue at all what self-love actually is and what it actually looks like. Amy, your words. Throwing it over to me. The way I like to view it is, well, okay, let me say this. I think that the way it's interpreted a lot through social media and through all these lovely little memes that we see on Facebook is around acceptance. And I think that's how most people interpret it. Like, if I love myself, that means I accept myself. And I think there's a lot of kickback from that because people go, yeah, but I don't like my weight right now. Or I don't like how I behave inside of a relationship. Or I don't like job where I'm at in my Mm -hmm. career. Right. And so they equate their set of circumstances with who they are as a human. So I think there's a lot of kickback when they're like, that sounds great. That would be amazing if I was thin, if I had a good job, if I was happy with where I'm at. So there's this big kind of like making it synonymous, like self-love equals I love my circumstances. Mm -hmm. And what I think the way I like to view it is self-love being kind of a huge umbrella concept and self-love really being synonymous with a healthy relationship to self. And under that umbrella are all these different things like self-respect, like valuing your own time, self-compassion, being kind to yourself when you make a mistake or maybe when you're not where you want to be, self-forgiveness, where you actually let go of some of the mistakes that you've made in the past, you know, all these expression, right? Like kind of all of these different components that allow you to have a healthy relationship with yourself. And something that I think really warrants underlining here is it is absolutely okay to not be happy about certain circumstances or situations in your life. That doesn't mean you have to hate who you are. I think sometimes people think too, like, well, if I love who I am, then I'm going to be complacent. I'm not even like, yeah, throwing your hands up and saying, well, screw it. I'll just stay here. Right. Then I wouldn't even want to better myself, which is quite the fallacy because it's even more motivating when you love yourself. You're like, I deserve 
to have a job that I love. I deserve to have friendships that build me up. I just, and so you actually are more motivated to accomplish your goals. So I think that's one huge thing for people to know is that it's possible to exist. It's possible to have self-love and all of the kind of subcategories that we were just mentioning and still not love your circumstances or your situation. It's not about the life. It's about the person. Like really, it's your relationship to you. That's really what we're talking about. Yeah, I love that. It's not about the life. It's about the person. And I think too, it's such a, you know, it really is kind of a monumentous thing. We're not asking you to stop what you're doing and follow these five steps and then you're going to get to this place of self-love and then you're done. It absolutely does not look like that. And I think that one of the things that people skip is like what you were saying is the whole self-acceptance piece and really just making peace with how you are. Because if you're constantly battling it, like it's not going to make it better. And what I always tell people is like, no one beats themselves up into a better life. Like it doesn't Mm -hmm. work that way. And, and there's that whole saying like what you resist persists. And I kind of feel like that happens with people too. It's like the more you hate your circumstances, the more you're focusing on it and the more it's just going to kind of fester and persist in your life. So it's like, well, why not try this whole concept of self-love? And, but I think that some people like when they're at where they're at, Self-love seems like Mount Everest and it's yeah. like you're looking up at this mountain and you're thinking like, how the fuck do you expect me to get to that place given where I am now? And so I think what we're trying to underline here is that A, it's one step at a time. It's one day at a time. And P.S. I know I repeat this all the time and I'll say it again. Self-love is something that Amy and myself work on every single day. Mm-hmm. It's a choice. And it's not something, you know, the difference is, is that we have the tools to be able to use them and we do know what it looks like in our life yeah. rather than just something that you can buy and get it. And that would be great if that was the right. case, but it's certainly not. <laughs> it, it's called whiskey. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Well, and I think you named like some of the really important aspects of it under that umbrella and it's, you know, self-love does encompass is so many different things and, you know, self-care is another one of them. And, mm. but yeah, I definitely think like if you're in the very beginning stages of your own personal development journey and you're listening to this, then my advice is to try your best to get to a place of self-acceptance. And like Amy was saying, not so much a place of complacency, but just like, okay, this is my reality and I can still love myself. Because as we were saying in your podcast, actually, Amy, that it's a lot easier to practice self-love when things are going amazing. It's harder to do it when things are totally in the shitter. Right, right. I think one of the steps that I would advocate as well. I'm completely on board with you around the acceptance. One of the things that I love to share with people is a concept that I've termed progressive language. And I think that there's a lot of times when we see these different affirmations or speak kindly to yourself and all these things where we think that it has to equate something like, I love the person that I am, or I think I'm beautiful, or you are totally worthy. And if you're at the very, very beginning of this journey, especially if you're admits a lot of circumstances that you really aren't happy with and you kind of feel like you're 
world's imploding. That kind of mantra or statement feels like such a lie. Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And every piece of you is like vehemently opposed. And then your tendency is to spiral that and start going, this shit doesn't work. This is a bunch of, you know, it's because you don't have all of the tools to combat your negative self-talk and all of that. So one of the things that I love to suggest to people is to use this concept of I'm not there yet, but I'm on my way. So something that's progressive. So even if you say something like I'm exploring what self-love looks like, or I'm committed to being a student of self-love, or I'm redefining my relationship to myself, and you use those statements when you're in the middle of a shit storm and your tendency is to talk mad shit to yourself or to beat yourself up about your weight or where you're at or your relationship or your job or whatever, where you can just kind of stop yourself and say like, okay, I recognize that I don't love this, but I'm on the way to creating something new. And what that does, it gives you the mental capacity to keep studying, to keep learning because nothing changes without curiosity, right? Like we know that about every possible belief structure. Everybody who believes something, like if we take a situation that's extreme, like cults, right? People who are a part of a cult and they believe something wholeheartedly and vehemently. It isn't until they start opening up and questioning and just picking away with curiosity and going, what if this isn't true? What if this isn't? What, 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 what? You know, and they just start questioning. That's when you can start dismantling, disempowering beliefs. And that is how everybody changes beliefs. So if you've been operating under a belief structure where you don't believe that you're worthy or you believe that it, happiness is available only if you have, you know, the perfect boob job or the perfect whatever, fill in the blank. What if you just start to question it? Like, hmm, what if I could love myself? What if it isn't just for people who are life coaches? What if it isn't just for successful people? If you can just start being curious and start questioning things, everything that has been an absolute up until now is up for question. Like, oh, what if I could believe in myself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and speaking of that, and I think another really myth that people have been conditioned, especially maybe people that have grown up in like more conservative families and organizations, is that thinking that self-love is selfish and narcissistic. Right. This is a big one. Well, because if you look it up in the dictionary, that's actually what it says. It says that it equates it to narcissism, which is which really is shitty. Really, really <laughs> shitty. Yeah. Well, this is one of those situations. I actually did a podcast episode on this called Selfish is the New Black, because I think so much of this is social stigma and social conditioning to make us believe that in order to be an upstanding citizen, to be a good friend, to be a perfect spouse, to be a perfect whatever, fill in the blank, we have to operate from a place where we kind of discount self. So we're applauded if we run ourselves ragged to do for others. Meanwhile, we totally lose sight of ourselves. And I'm not saying that there's not 
a balance to be had. But what I would really argue strongly is that when you come from a place of self-love and you actually put a lot of emphasis on the person that you are and that you value the person that you are, you are a much better wife, sister, Mm -hmm. friend, philanthropist, employee, business owner, because you are already operating from a place of fullness. So this is just one of those things that I think is just flat out bullshit lie. Like we, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I don't we like just, to make other people wrong, but that is wrong. <laughs> it is. I mean, in my opinion, it really is because it's an either or. Mm-hmm. It's making it a situation where I either love you or I love me and it's wrong to pick me. Yeah. And that's not right. That's a perspective of lack and scarcity. What if we could come from abundance where I could fully love the person that I am and in doing so I could fully love and support others as well. I've never ever once done something where I took a huge stand for who I was and said like I need my own time or I need to politely decline or I'm not available because I really do need to take care of some stuff for myself where I really did put myself first and somebody was like, you're the biggest asshole ever. Mm -hmm. What I do get is a shit ton of respect and a lot of people saying, I want to be like that as well because it's attractive and it's not the same thing as narcissism where it's me or you. Narcissism is one of us has to win. I have to be better. I care only about me. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a place of abundance where there's enough love for everybody. It's all respect. Mm -hmm. I think what it also doesn't look like, just to kind of tag onto that, is I think what's really big now is cynicism and the whole concept of like giving zero fucks and not caring. You know, it's like, oh, I don't care about that. I'm just working on myself. And it's like... No, (laughs) that's not self-love. And it just, yes, I think that narcissism for sure is thinking that you are better than other people. And they're definitely, I am not a doctor nor a psychiatrist or anything. I think I'm pretty sure that narcissism can border on like a mental disability. And that certainly isn't what self-love is. And you explained it so beautifully too. and, And really, it's true. It's people that truly love themselves They're just, it is kind of hard to explain. It's a kind of like a combination between self-esteem, self-confidence, taking a stand for who they are, not apologizing for who they are, and honoring. The biggest part of it, what's coming up for me right now is honoring your values. And what I mean by that is like, let's just take the value of courage. And because I believe if one of your values isn't courage, like you can't honor the rest of them in your life because to live a life of authentically following your values and living your life as to what's important about the way you live your life takes a lot of courage because we live in a culture that does not encourage that at all. And I think especially for women to do all those things that we mentioned, like stand up for yourself and have self-respect and self-expression. Like we are not conditioned really to be that way. Right. And I think that when you do that, that's the really the part that's attractive to other people. It's like, okay, this person, because I just, I really don't find it narcissism attractive. I think that you're kind of an asshole when you think <laughs> that I, and I actually kind of feel bad for those people because it's just like, oh, it just looks painful. It just feels yeah, painful. Yeah. And I think that like, I don't know. I just think that people that exude that whole, like I'm better than you, they are really, truly suffering inside. And there's a lot of insecurity. And I know sure. No one listening to this podcast is like that. (laughs) I don't attract those types of people at all. But the bottom line is that self-love, like if you take nothing away from the last few minutes, self-love is not selfish and it is not narcissistic by any means. 
if you think about the actual concept of what we're even talking about, like we're talking about love, right? In any other relationship, when would loving somebody be a selfish act? So why on earth would loving yourself be selfish? Wouldn't that be generous and kind? And like, it's crazy to me that we would say, oh, your children. Oh my gosh. Yes. You need to envelop them with love. Your spouse. Yes. You need to just give them so much love. Your passion for life or your career. You should love what you're doing and stuff. But yet we can't take that same emotional frequency and turn it inward. Why not? It's not a negative thing. It's a positive thing. It's not like narcissism where it is innately negative, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a misnomer, I think, Mm -hmm. that we have somehow said one or the other. That's really what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. It's got to be one or the other. And I'm not saying that there's not going to be times when somebody might be upset with you for standing up for yourself. That does happen. But as you work through this sort of thing and start entertaining this idea of truly caring about the person that you are, you understand that those people who make you wrong for valuing yourself are actually not worth being in your life. Right. You know, and that can be a hard pill to swallow when it's family Mm. or your spouse or your child or your parent, you know, I mean, that's really quite a bit of what I do in my work is dealing with how to stand up for yourself, you know, and how to really handle yourself with grace and kindness. But I think right now for everybody to just understand that if it is a positive thing to love others, then it sure as fuck is a positive thing to love yourself. (laughs) Put that on a bumper sticker. (laughs) Like, for Christ's sake. Yeah. You know, and we kind of danced around it a little bit. But again, when our bucket is empty, we have the hardest time giving to others. When I'm really, really happy and I've taken care of myself and I've honored my own time and I've honored my own physical health or really just made myself important, I'm a better best friend. I'm a better wife. You really are able to show up much Mm -hmm. healthier in all of your other relationships. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I could not agree more. All right. So we have one more and it basically is around the whole, and we touched on it a little bit, but we'll stick a little bit more into it is the whole loving everyone else except yourself. And so I want to say something really quick about this because as probably most of you know, I'm certified in the work of Dr. Brene Brown and she, this was a few years ago. I think it was when her second book came out, The Gifts of Imperfection. And she, you know, she's doing all of her work is based on like now 14 years of research around courage and vulnerability. And a lot of it is around actually around self-love. She talks about it a lot. And one of the things that she started talking about a few years ago was that you can't fully love other people unless you love yourself. And she was talking about, she's like, people do not like it when I say that because like parents, especially mothers are like up in arms. Just like, what are you talking about? Like, no, of course I love my children more than I love myself. And so, you know, I don't, The thing is, is like, we can't measure that. Like love is one of those intangible things that we can't put our measuring stick on. So who knows? I don't know. Will we ever know? Who knows? But I do know that I know both sides. Like I've definitely been on that end of trying to love people when I didn't love myself. And I think that it's more than just a black or white issue. I think it's a lot more than just, I don't love myself. Therefore, I cannot love other people. I don't think it's that simple. I think that like we were saying, the whole concept of self 
self-love is so involved. And a lot of it involves things like being emotionally literate. And what I mean by that is like, you know, as Amy and I like to talk about, like actually feeling your feelings and leaning into them and letting them like go through you instead of doing other things like lashing out and blaming and avoiding. Because like just that one example, like let, let me just stop there. I'll tell you what, like <laughs> I've been in a few intimate relationships and it's a whole different scenario when you are actually feeling feelings. And even in like the relationship I had with my children, like it is extremely difficult for me to, and they're still little. So I'm just kind of entering this whole, like, you know, them getting hurt emotionally by their friends and by me and things like that. So for me to help them navigate their own emotional duress is nearly impossible if I can't be with my own feelings. And trust me when I tell you, I've been on that other side of the fence where I could not be with my own feelings, let alone someone else's. So this is just like one layer of the onion of self-love and that whole concept of, you know, like loving yourself first. Therefore, you can love other people better. Absolutely. And this is just a paradigm shift, I think, because what happens when you say, oh, no, 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 I need to love my kids more. I need to love my spouse more. I need is the most prevalent, I think, with children. And then a lot of times in specific faiths where you're kind of instructed to love God first. Right. So instead of yourself. Right. And I don't want to get all polarized about that. But what happens when you say, my capacity to love others needs to be much greater than my capacity to love myself. Or I can wrap my head around that, but I can't wrap it around loving myself. What you create is absolute codependency and a contingency. Like I can only be happy as long as my kids are happy, as long as my spouse is happy, as long as, you know, I'm serving the Lord or whatever. Like you start making things extremely external and you rob yourself of a lot of personal power by doing that. And I think obviously I can't speak to this from personal experience around children. I would be really interested in hearing your perspective on this, Andrea, but I would argue that children get their messaging a lot, not just from what their parents say or do, but from who they are being. And if you are a parent who shows your child that the way to happiness is to invest in everybody else and to not take care of yourself and to not have time allocated for yourself or put importance around yourself. That behavior sends a massively huge message to your children. So if you're a parent, though, who says, I love you immensely. And I also love who I am as well. And so that's why mommy is going to go out tonight to book club or to the gym and take care of myself because I want you to also know that it's important to take care of you and go to playtime with your friends or whatever lesson that you want to, you know, kind of impose on them. But I think we forget that, that we're not responsible to, I, I guess the messaging that we really need to share with others in general is you can love yourself too. And that is probably one of the most powerful messages that I think you could send as a parent. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean for one second that you're not going to like hurt when they hurt or you're, I think that we are biologically programmed for that too be a part of us. I think it's part of us surviving as a culture, being able to caretake for our young, right? Like it's a primitive response, but as an evolved culture, 
and teaching our children. Like, would you ever teach your children like, hey, you probably should care way more about what everybody else thinks. And you should probably give and give and give to other people at the point of exhaustion, because that's what I do for you. And I would like for you to invest all of your happiness in how other people perceive you and if they love you back. <laughs> it's basically the message that a lot of us had growing up. <laughs> right? Like was, this wasn't articulated that way, but it sure was that. But it is through behavior. Mm-hmm. It's through behavior and through what your will. Yeah. What you're willing to do for yourself. If I saw a parent 100% in self-sacrifice who did not value themselves, that would send me a huge, huge message. So I think sometimes it's flipping that on its head and just calling bullshit on that old paradigm because give yourself some compassion because that's what we've been taught to do. Right. And I love the saying too, it's like, you don't have to inherit dysfunction. And I think that most of us, most of us were raised that way and we don't know any different. And so then we grow up and we parent the same way too. And I think that there is something to be said, like you were saying, the whole primitive thing, there's a saying like, you're only as happy as your saddest child. And I think that that is valid to an extent. And there are going to be circumstances that completely wipe you out when, if something happens to one of your kids. But I think that where it gets tricky is when like it becomes your entire life and your entire being is sort of wrapped up. And like you were saying, I mean, that gets into codependency and and things like that. But I love what you were saying. And I agree with you about sending a message of making yourself important as a human. And what I really think it is, it can be as simple as starting the conversation when they're really young. Yeah. And that's what I always intended to do. And, you know, I, I always preface this when I talk about it. I had a great childhood. I did. My parents loved me immensely. I had a great, charming childhood. What was lacking in that family was emotional literacy. And I grew up and realized that and was not going to inherit that dysfunction. It's all my parents ever knew. It's from, you know, it's an older generation. And so I was like, I'm not going to pass this on to my children. And so for me, it simply is a conversation. I start really young. That's age appropriate. I mean, I'm not, they don't listen to my podcast. (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) But it's just simple, simple things. And like you were saying, there's a tricky balance and I don't always get it right. I mess up sometimes and get to circle back and apologize to my children on a pretty regular basis. And I'll tell you what, though, you know, seeing the look on their face when I apologize or my husband apologizes and they know that we're human and that we are asking for forgiveness and that we love them in that way is it takes my breath away. So it just I think that we forget sometimes that they're little humans and that they are really actually very smart beyond their years. And yeah, they can learn at a very young age about self-love. I think it's absolutely teachable to little ones. Absolutely. And I think also in communicating about what you need, you know, like even sharing with them, like mommy really loves herself and thinks that she is really important and she loves you as well. And that's why she needs to go out and do whatever. Same thing about marriage and relationships. Like mommy and daddy love each other very much. And it's important that we take care of our relationship. So we're going to have you be with the babysitter mm-hmm. and we're going to go take some time and celebrate our love for each other because it's very important. Um, you know, so it's that's just exactly. About- pretty much exactly the words that we, but they love their babysitters. So it's not, but sometimes they want to come with us. Like when they find out we're going out to dinner and do the movies and that's basically what we tell them. Mm -hmm. But the same is true, like for your relationship to yourself, 
Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And so I think it, you know, it's just, it all comes down to communication. But if you're out there listening and you're like, well, what is there to do? I would say even just pull out a piece of paper and just ask yourself, what have I made up about self-love? And just kind of go through some of the stuff that we've been talking about today. What are my thoughts on loving myself versus others? And just kind of journal it, get it out on paper, because you kind of have to figure out what your current set of beliefs are in order to dismantle them and change it to something empowering. Again, that awareness piece. So getting curious and starting to question, like, what if it was just as valiant, just as noble to love myself as it is to love others? Mm -hmm. What if that was true? What would shift in my life? What would change? Just starting to get that out on paper and look at what you really believe. I like your powerful questions, Amy Smith. Oh my God. You must be a life coach. (laughs) (laughs) Know you're a life coach when you ask people to get curious. (laughs) But it's true. But that's. No, I know. I mean, I love that. And I learned that. I picked that up primarily from Tony Robbins' work. And I loved that concept of. Beliefs will always be hard and fast and concrete until they're questioned, Mm -hmm. until they're questioned. So if you're listening and you're going, oh, that can't apply to me. Oh, there's no way I could ever love anybody other than that. Well, you are sealing your fate in stone by creating that absolute. If you just start to question, that's when shift can happen. So. Yep. I'm a huge advocate. Mic drop. All right. <laughs> well, well, you can't fight the gift. Uh, th- we're going to wrap up. And thank you so much for, for coming on. <laughs> of course. <Put> on it. <laughs> Anything else you want to say to be complete? I think the biggest thing that I would say is you and I teach this shit and we still struggle with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are enveloped in it and think about it, teach it, study it. So the biggest thing that I would throw out to everybody is to give yourself compassion for the baby steps, to just start picking away at it, to just start doing tiny, tiny little things to shift your beliefs or start questioning things. Or I would just say, give yourself the permission for this to be a journey, permission to not know everything, permission to just start small, start with baby steps and know that just at the tiniest bit of awareness is, is a huge win. Absolutely. For sure. Mm -hmm. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for sticking with us. I will see you out in cyberspace. Bye-bye.